Hey everyone, welcome back to Holidays After Dark, the podcast that explores the dark side of the holidays we all know and love. I'm your host, Kristen. Now that we are in the last week of June, that means the biggest holiday of the summer is only a few days away. In my family, the 4th of July has always been a pretty big deal. My godparents' son, Nick, who I refer to as my cousin because, let's face it, it's easier than saying my godparents' son, was born on the 4th of July and is a few years younger than me. Ever since he was born, we have always celebrated with them in honor of Nick's birthday and, of course, to commemorate the holiday itself. This celebration usually includes grilling, eating cake, playing games outside, and, of course, fireworks. To the best of my recollection, our families have rarely, if ever, missed a year together since Nick was born. When I lived in California, I didn't get to be a part of this celebration happening back home, and I certainly missed it. Funny enough, now that I live back near my hometown, Nick moved away and doesn't always make it home for his birthday. But regardless, we have still carried on the tradition of our two families getting together and celebrating in his honor, even if we can only talk to him on the phone instead of being together in person. The 4th of July is a happy occasion for most Americans. The delicious food, beautiful fireworks, and gathering with friends and family is a highlight of many people's summers. But the origins of 4th of July definitely have a darker side to them. Behind this holiday is a fight for freedom and a battle in which many lives were lost. A great price was paid for an ultimately positive result, and that must not be forgotten. Let's dive into the history of the 4th of July. The 4th of July, also known as Independence Day, has been a federal holiday in the United States since 1941, but the tradition of these celebrations goes back to the 18th century and the American Revolution. On July 2, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence, and two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence, a historic document drafted by Thomas Jefferson. From 1776 to the present day, July 4th has been celebrated as the birth of American independence, with festivities ranging from fireworks, parades, and concerts to more casual family gatherings and barbecues. When the initial battles in the Revolutionary War broke out in April 1775, few colonists desired complete independence from Great Britain, and those who did were considered radical. However, by the middle of the following year, many more colonists had come to favor independence, thanks to growing hostility against Britain and the spread of revolutionary sentiments such as those expressed in the best-selling pamphlet Common Sense, published by Thomas Paine in early 1776. On June 7th, when the Continental Congress met at the Pennsylvania State House in Philadelphia, the Virginia delegate Richard Henry Lee introduced a motion calling for the colony's independence. Amid heated debate, Congress postponed the vote on Lee's resolution, but appointed a five-man committee, including Thomas Jefferson of Virginia, John Adams of Massachusetts, Roger Sherman of Connecticut, Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, and Robert R. Livingston of New York to draft a formal statement justifying the break with Great Britain. 
On July 2nd, the Continental Congress voted in favor of Lee's resolution for independence in a near-unanimous vote. On that day, John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail that July 2nd will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the Great Anniversary Festival, and that the celebration should include pomp and parade, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. On July 4th, the Continental Congress formally adopted the Declaration of Independence, which had been written largely by Jefferson. Though the vote for actual independence took place on July 2nd, from then on, the 4th became the day that was celebrated as the birth of American independence. In the pre-revolutionary years, colonists had held annual celebrations of the king's birthday, which traditionally included the ringing of bells, bonfires, processions, and speech-making. By contrast, during the summer of 1776, some colonists celebrated the birth of independence by holding mock funerals for King George III as a way of symbolizing the end of the monarchy's hold on America and the triumph of liberty. Festivities including concerts, bonfires, parades, and the firing of cannons and muskets usually accompanied the first public readings of the Declaration of Independence, beginning immediately after its adoption. Philadelphia held the first annual commemoration of independence on July 4, 1777, while Congress was still occupied with the ongoing war. George Washington issued double rations of rum to all of his soldiers to mark the anniversary of independence in 1778, and in 1781, several months before the key American victory at the Battle of Yorktown, Massachusetts became the first state to make July 4th an official state holiday. After the Revolutionary War, Americans continued to commemorate Independence Day every year, in celebrations that allowed the new nation's emerging political leaders to address citizens and create a feeling of unity. By the last decade of the 18th century, the two major political parties, the Federalist Party and Democratic-Republicans that had arisen, began holding separate Fourth of July celebrations in many large cities. Fireworks have long been a staple of Fourth of July celebrations, and they date back to a time way before the holiday existed. The first documented use of fireworks occurred as early as 200 BC. The tradition of setting off fireworks on the Fourth of July began in Philadelphia on July 4, 1777, during the first organized celebration of Independence Day. A ship's cannon fired a 13-gun salute in honor of the 13 colonies. The Pennsylvania Evening Post reported, At night, there was a grand exhibition of fireworks, which began and concluded with 13 rockets on the commons, and the city was beautifully illuminated. That same night, the Sons of Liberty set off fireworks over Boston Common. Not to be a total Debbie Downer, but while fireworks are commonly used at gatherings all over the country, in reality, they aren't exactly the safest method of celebration. Over time, fireworks have sadly been the cause of many tragedies, including death. 
I have used and been around fireworks at my annual July 4th celebrations, but we usually stick to the tamer ones, like fountains, the tanks that shoot sparks at each other, and sparklers. We have always stayed safe and never had any overly alarming fireworks-related incidents, but unfortunately, some others haven't been as lucky. According to the National Fire Protection Association, each July 4th, thousands of people, most often children and teens, are injured while using consumer fireworks. Despite the dangers of fireworks, few people understand the associated risks, which include devastating burns, other injuries, fires, and even death. In 2018, fireworks started an estimated 19,500 fires, including 1,900 structure fires, 500 vehicle fires, and 17,100 outside or other fires. These fires caused five deaths, 46 civilian injuries, and $105 million in direct property damage. U.S. hospital emergency rooms treated an estimated 9,100 people for firework-related injuries. Half of those injuries were to the extremities, and 34% were to the eye or other parts of the head. Children younger than 15 years of age accounted for more than one-third of the estimated injuries. Last year, the National Hockey League experienced its own fireworks-related tragedy, when one of its young players did not survive a 4th of July accident. Matisse Kivlenix, a goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets, died July 4, 2021, after a fireworks accident at the home of the team's goaltending coach. Kivlenix was a guest at Coach Manny Legacy's home in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, for a party celebrating Legacy's daughter's wedding. Kivlenix attended the July 4th party with one of his fellow Blue Jackets teammates. According to a police lieutenant with the responding agency, a fireworks mortar shot over the top of a hot tub where Kivlenix was sitting with some friends. What occurred was they were lighting off what looks like a nine-shot mortar box, said the officer, and at one point the box tipped up the final two mortars. The fireworks were reportedly being launched about 19 feet from where the hot tub was located. Kivlenix tried to flee, but the final shot appears to have hit him in the chest area. The impact from the fireworks caused massive internal damage to his heart and lungs, and Kivlenix was pronounced dead after being rushed to a nearby hospital. Police interviewed the witness in charge of lighting the fireworks by phone, after describing his failed attempt to change the direction of the mortar tube, he told the investigator that he hadn't been drinking alcohol. He reportedly did not appear to be inebriated, according to other witnesses. After a full investigation was conducted, it was decided that no criminal charges would be filed against anyone involved in the accident. The teammate who was with Kiv Lennox at the fateful party, Elvis Merzlikens, hails him as a hero, saying that Kivlenix used his own body to shield Merzlikens and his pregnant wife from the blast. Not every danger and tragedy associated with fireworks has happened on the 4th of July. 
Unfortunately, the factories and warehouses that store these explosives have had their fair share of deadly incidents, too. Here's just one example. The Rochester Fireworks Company, located in Rochester, New York, was started around 1836. The company imported many types of fireworks displays from the Far East. In 1930, looking for more space, the company moved to a rather isolated area of Parenton, New York. The factory subsequently comprised numerous buildings, well-spaced to avoid fire, and employed about 40 men and 15 women, all local. Until 1939 and the rising need for munitions, the factory produced Roman candles, rockets, wheels, and many other types of firework displays. Once World War II was underway, the factory expanded its workforce and ran three shifts per day, producing ammunition for the Army and Navy, work they continued until the end of the war. According to the town of Parenton's website, on the afternoon of November 6, 1942, a resident who lived near the factory saw just a puff from the Rochester Fireworks Company across the street and then saw fire engulf one of the buildings on the site. Samuel Kirkpatrick and Arthur Salmon, who were driving along Whitney Road, at first heard a muffled explosion and saw black smoke. Calling in the alarm, they subsequently saw fire and people, mostly women, running and screaming. Anna Morial, who had just that week started work at the factory, managed to escape with minor burns on her hands and helped others smother their flaming clothing. She remembered seeing one boy coming out terribly burned. He just rolled around on the ground screaming, she recalled. An explosion had caused the fire. The fire developed so fast that the women who were working inside the building had no chance to get out. Eight people died instantly in the explosion. Three more would die in the ensuing days, and many were treated in area hospitals for burns. All but one of the victims were women who had gone to work in the factory, feeling that they were contributing to the war effort. The victims, all residents of Fairport and East Rochester, had been so severely burned that survivors had to rely on jewelry, dental fillings, and miscellaneous items of clothing for identification. The legacy of the explosion still resonates today. In 1992, the families of the victims marked the 50th anniversary of the tragedy, and in 2003, the families again met to honor the victims of one of the most disastrous non-residential fires in area history and the area's only major disaster during World War II. In 2003, a plaque with the names of the victims was put on display in the East Rochester Village Hall, remembering those who gave their lives for the war effort on the home front. I would love to hear your holiday stories, fun facts, or weird trivia. So if you know of something that would be fitting for the podcast, send it my way. Email Kristen at HolidaysAfterDark.com, direct message at Holidays Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, or find us on Facebook. I'll include these in the show notes. I would love to feature your story or fun fact on a future episode of Holidays After Dark. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss your dose of holiday darkness. A rate or review would also be greatly appreciated. 
Thank you to my sister Ashley for producing and editing the podcast. Today I will leave you with a quote from French philosopher and author Albert Camus. Freedom is nothing but a chance to be better. Thank you.